Hey folks, thanks for listening to this episode of the Peaceful Way podcast. I just wanted to remind everyone uh, to give the show a five-star rating and review if you're using an iOS device. Also, please share the show if you like it. And you can also uh, support the show on Patreon or cryptocurrencies. All those uh, links are in the description. Anyways, I hope you enjoy my discussion with Abel on the situation, the evolving situation in Ethiopia. Peace. Welcome back to the Peaceful Way podcast. Uh, this is Jordan. Uh, I'm here with a very special guest, Abel. And um, today we are discussing uh, the current conflict in Ethiopia and maybe even just some of the history of the region as well. Um, Abel, how are you doing, man? I'm doing perfectly fine. Good. So why don't you just start off uh, telling people a little bit about yourself and, um, and, and uh, what kind of your background is and then also what is your interest in the current situation that's going on in Ethiopia. So I am currently residing in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I am a recent Temple graduate, got my degree in public relations. Um, since then, I really haven't been doing much aside from applying for jobs. My interest in the situation, I have a huge interest because my home country, Eritrea, is at war. So I'm just following the situation closely, especially because Biden um, did recently place sanctions, which I kind of roll my eyes at. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get into all the the U.S. involvement and sort of some of the odd statements coming out of um, uh, Secretary of State, State Blinken. Um, I I have read a little bit about sort of his recent trip to Kenya, I believe, and he had sort of been commenting on the situation in Ethiopia. A lot of it is very. Um, very strange and vague and and uh they're definitely the americans seem to be trying to take a very neutral stance there um but anyways uh why don't you just like let's just start from the more recent events and then maybe we'll move our way backwards uh the what's been happening in ethiopia essentially since november of 2020 so on November the 4th, um, a ruling political party called the Tigray People's Liberation Front launched several military offenses uh, against the Ethiopian federal government located in the capital of Tigray called Makale. Um, this comes a month or this comes years after uh, rising political tension between the TPLF and the federal government. For anybody that doesn't know, the TPLF was an armed political group that came into power after the Ethiopian Civil War ended in 1991, and they were a very oppressive group. Uh, one of the things they did after the Ethiopian Civil War ended was created their own constitution that pretty much states that elections have to be had every five years and that they were going to be divided amongst um, ethnic lines. So pretty much that created a divide and conquer rule that allowed them to rule from 1991 to 2018. During that time, um, in 1991, it did get its independence and became its own independent country. But in 1998, um, when the Tigray People's Liberation Front were at the helm of Ethiopia, had a border dispute with Eritrea over land that uh, this, that was in dispute within the Tigray region bordering Eritrea. So that dispute wasn't solved until 2018, where the TPLF were removed from power after mass protests from an ethnic group called the Oromo. Um, when the TPLF was removed, we had Abi Ahmed, who had big dreams of uh, revitalizing and reforming Ethiopia. And one of the major uh, things that Abi Ahmed did that garnered uh, international attention was form a peace deal with Eritrea. And that was very huge because they were at odds for two decades. And that pissed off the TPLF. Um, 
And things came heated when uh, the 2020 elections was here. And because of the coronavirus pandemic, Abiy Ahmed, uh, Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed, I should should say, canceled the elections and the Tigray People's Liberation Front gave them the middle finger and went at, uh, and did their own elections. Um, and uh, they felt the reason why they should uh, do the elections because uh, Abiy Ahmed was never elected um, and that this was an abuse of power. And um, so Abiy Ahmed decides to cancel the results of the elections in the Tigray region, which uh, Afterwards, Abiy Ahmed decides to cut off funding to the Tigray region, which the TPLF is, uh, has said that this was amounted to war. So that's when the November for attacks on the federal uh, military base happened and everything afterwards has just gotten worse. Yeah, okay. Okay, that's a good, I think that's a good setup for kind of a lot of what we're going to discuss. Um, let's get into a little bit more well, let's start with um, let's start with the TPLF and um, who they are. Uh, what do you think, in your estimation, um, their sort of like a political philosophy is? How did they come to power? And uh, just what's your view on the TPLF in general? Um, the TPLF is a very oppressive and brutal regime. They came into power in 1991 after overthrowing the Derg regime and Manjusu Haile Mariam. Um, so and Manjusu Haile Mariam came into power in 1974, uh, and he was a very oppressive ruler himself. He did something called the Red Terror, which was cracking down on dissidents and people who opposed them. and. Uh, uh, the TPLF had help from Eritrea because they were fighting for their independence for uh, long before that. Um, I don't really like the TPLF. They're a very oppressive regime and they were looting Ethiopia's economy for decades. Uh, they took about billions and billions of dollars. And what's so ironic is that none of the people of Tigray ever got it. Um, I think a lot of them are on food stamps and that's pretty sad. Yeah. Uh, what do you think is what in actual the actual Tigray region? What is the sort of situation on the ground for the average person there? Is it is it are they? Because uh, sorry, and just to do a bit of a rabbit trail here, I like a little bit that I have read about the TPLF is um, they generally they are very entrenched, have been very entrenched within Ethiopian politics and. Uh, as a political group, they are, even though they're not the ruling party, they are still very influential and powerful. And um, obviously they have a military of their own, uh, but what is the like actual situation of the Tigrayan people on the ground? Is it is it better or worse off than kind of other areas in Ethiopia? Well, you know, that's a very difficult thing to really talk about because there's been a lot of uh, misinformation that's been going on in this war. Um, we've been told that um, that there's been a lot of sexual violence, uh, a yeah. lot of ethnic-based killings. Uh, there's a lot of hunger going around. Uh, and, it's, and it's really hard to tell because they're saying that there's a communications blackout and it's really hard to verify the information and that journals are banned from entering the region. But what I find so interesting is how the hell can CNN report it so matter-of-factly as to what's happening in its Tigray region? Right, yeah. It, it does seem it's it'd be difficult for anyone to know. And uh, I have been reading that uh, the TPLF have even like blocked NGOs and, and uh, aid um, humanitarian organizations from entering the region. So. I, it is hard to hard to sort of ascertain what the actual situation is. Um, okay, and am I right by saying like the TPLF? <clears throat> sorry, they they sort of had their their genesis, their birth, so to speak, in like um, sort of the communist movement that came in the '60s and '70s and '80s and whatnot. Or is that sort of a mischaracterization mischaracterization of them? I think uh, you can, it's fair to say that they're a communist organization. Um, I think one of the things that with the, the problem with Ethiopia is that it's always been ruled by dictators. Um, I, I talked about the Menjusu Halimariam person. He was a very brutal 
dictator himself. Um, but then afterwards, when he's overthrown and we have the rise of Prime Minister Mela Zanawi, he was a very brutal dictator himself. And you just couldn't really do much um, in Ethiopia. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is sort of interesting <laughs> when I actually spent some time in um, in in uh, Mozambique like a decade ago i was i was there for a few months and just kind of reading up on the history of mozambique they also had sort of this communist revolution and it, much like uh communist nations in asia it does seem that when communism is imported to these to these countries it it kind of just dissolves into almost like a a nationalist dictatorship um and it doesn't really resemble anything of what we would call communist ideals right so it's it it's maybe these movements are just leveraged for sort of power hungry um demagogues who want to rule the region i guess is a way to look at it oh yeah definitely um it's just it's really it's kind of a sad situation on all fronts yeah for sure um okay so uh that's a bit about the the tplf um and that's the people's Tigray and People's Liberation Front. That's the acronym. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so okay. Now let's uh, get into a little another important player in this whole conflict, um, Abi Ahmed. Uh, do you want to get a little bit into his sort of biography? Uh, and I'll just before you get into that, I'll, everything I've read about him, it's mostly good press. Other than this last year with the conflict, he has been getting some criticism that, you know, of human rights abuses and whatnot. However, his, um, he, he does seem to be universally praised for his, uh, brokering of a, uh, peace deal with Eritrea. Um, but maybe you'll, you can elaborate more on that. So, uh, just what's, what who is he uh, how did he rise to prominence and and what's your view on his leadership a few years back there were mass protests happening in ethiopia because the tplf was a very brutal regime a very oppressive regime um and uh they were taken out in 2018 uh, after mass protests from the aroma people in the aroma region um, and when Abiy Ahmed rose to power, he seemed to have a lot of uh, hope because he did that peace deal with Eritrea. I mean, it was very huge at the time, especially when you look at the history between Eritrea and Ethiopia. Um, the people who were displaced in the border dispute were able to return back to home and vice versa and meet up with their families. And that was very huge with it. Um, I know Abiy Ahmed also was able to mend a relationship with Somalia because Somalia and Ethiopia had been at odds with each other too. Okay, interesting. I didn't know uh, that that bit of it as well. Uh, it does seem that Abiy Ahmed is um, he's he seems pretty popular within the nation, other than maybe perhaps in Tigray. Uh, but otherwise, he seems to be fairly popular. He is uh, like a. I would say maybe a unifying figure. He's uh, he's unified a few, a number of different political parties under one party. Um, do you think that uh, do you think that that's a good thing, or do you think that uh, he, he's maybe more of a secret dictator or anything like that? Is that would you be concerned about him in that kind of way at all? Um, it's hard to actually say that he is popular in Ethiopia. Oh, really? Uh, he did, yeah, it's he did recently win uh, the last election, mm -hmm. but there uh, have been reports of anti-government groups forming because they do not like Abiy Ahmed. And it, Abiy Ahmed is from the Aromo region, but there's a lot of resentment within the Aromo community and they don't like Abiy Ahmed. Yeah, it does seem there's a lot of, um, how do you say, like, uh, sectarian resentments within the country and from from what i can gather ahmed uh he he was his at, at least his like stated mission was to try and calm those um resentments and try and bring everyone together uh which seemed like a good goal and especially in that region do you think that 
there is like that that is a noble goal that like this sort of unification of all these different tribal or or um i guess eth- more ethnic groups within the country is it is something that's actually possible to do and it, are you more like cynical about unifying everyone under Ethi- an ethiopian banner I'm very cynical about that because while I do think unity is the right thing to do because you really want to try and um, create as much peace as possible, um, uh, there's been a lot of ethnic division and a lot of ethnic hate for decades. So like the Tigrayans and the Amhara people don't like each other. Uh, Aromo and uh, the Aromo and Amhara people are at odds. You also have the Agadan region, which is the Somali base, um, at odds with the Afar region, and it's just a complete mess. Okay. Do you like, and just as an aside, would you, do you think like, would it be better if like a nation like Ethiopia were to perhaps split off into a couple different nations or a few nations, or do you think they should stay as Ethiopia? Um, I think they should probably stay. Um, I'm just going to. I'm just going to be very honest with you. I do not see Tigray becoming independent. And even if it were to, it would be a a huge disaster because then it would be uh, sandwiched in between two countries that hate Tigray, which is Eritrea and Ethiopia. And then on top of that, it would be very difficult to get trade into the country. Right. Yeah, they would be have they'd probably be heavily sanctioned by both nations, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and so what's um so I guess you were saying like uh, Eritrea and uh, Tigray, there's some conflict there. Where, where do you know kind of where that all started and what's the history of that? Like why, why is there the animosity between those two regions? It's funny because um, when the Ethiopian civil war broke out in 1974, uh, the Tigrayans had help from Eritrea because they were fighting for their independence. Um, and the Tigrayans were able to capture Addis Ababa, which was the Ethiopian capital, and Eritrea was able to gain its independence. But there was a lot of um, a lot of conflict between um, borderland that bordered between Tigray and Eritrea. And ever since then, there's been just bad blood. Um, it doesn't help that the Eritrean president has been president since Eritrea became um, independent. Okay. So that's a lifelong appointment for him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do they, the, sorry. Sorry. As well as the TPLF still being in power in Tigray. Yeah. And there's always going to be resentment as long as those two parties are in power. Okay. So do you think like maybe things with, in both those regions, if they kind of hit refresh on their leadership, there might be, it might be easier to broker some sort of peace? Yeah, there needs to be like a. a I think both would probably have to go because I just don't see it. Um, you know, Isaiah Saforki, President Isaiah Saforki, is a, a brutal dictator. So is um the TPLF, and I just don't ever see peace between Tigray and Eritrea. Yeah. Okay. And he's a brutal dictator. Like, in what way? What What are some of the the horrible things that he does? You're forced to do military service by the time you're a teenager. Okay. How old do you have to be to do that? Um, I think maybe by 13. Oh, wow. Age. That's that's young. <laughs> but on top of that, you can't speak poorly about him or the country or else you're going to be banned from entering. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Have, have you, I'm just curious. Um, so you were born there. Um, no. No, you weren't? Okay in philadelphia oh you were born in phil but your are your parents born there yeah my parents were born in eritrea okay have you gone back there at all to visit yeah in 2017 yeah okay um and does it does it generally feel like uh is it generally an open country or you just can't really say anything bad about the government as long as you don't do that you can kind of get by okay yeah, you can't really say anything about the president or the country or else you're going to get banned. And I know somebody who was uh, banned from entering the country. Even, even if they're a citizen of the country? 
uh, yeah, they can't get into the country. Um, and on top of that, too, I think by think tanks, uh, Eritrea has been referred to as the North Korea of Africa. Is that right, eh? <laughs> um, that seems a bit, that seems like an exaggeration, but I mean, I, I don't actually, I'm, I don't know that much about the country, so... I don't know much about North Korea, but I do think there is some truth to um, Eritrea being ruled by a dictator. Right. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think that Eritrea, like, I don't know how to put this. Like, do you think that they could infinitely com- complicate the conflict in the in Ethiopia between the Ethiopians and the Tigrayans? Um, by getting involved militarily or are they already involved militarily in that conflict uh well they already are i'm pretty sure abi ahmed admitted that they were in uh, tigray and there's been reports of eritrean um of the eritrean troops killing eritrean refugees living in uh some of the refugee camps in tigray and uh they were also in control of certain cities i believe mostly agzum and adegrat and uh shire okay um where they were is there maybe is abi ahmed maybe seen as aiding and embedding the eritreans because he sort of seems to be on their side. And if people view them as sort of a dictatorial country, uh, is there is there maybe some like affiliation with Abiy Ahmed as supporting dictators in other countries? It, would that oh. be a dynamic? Oh, absolutely. Because this is the very first war Ethiopia and Eritrea fought together. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you have... Uh, um, any idea what like how many people have died what the injuries are like is there famine like what's the humanitarian situation oh my god that's so difficult to answer because I do think there is a lot of propaganda. I mean, the most notable example was um, when there were reports of a massacre in a city happening called Agzum. And um, the day after the Agzum massacre was when they were supposed to have their, uh, they were gonna have their celebration. So it's like, how do you have a celebration after people were killed in a city? Um, um, I think another big thing that uh, I can't say is, I think all sides have committed war crimes, um, especially if you have you ever heard of the Makaidra massacre? I haven't. No. Tell us about that. So the Makaidra massacre, which happened on November 9, which is shortly after the war started, forces loyal to Tigray had massacred a tomb to um, about maybe one, about 600 to maybe 1,500 people. ethnic Amharas, um, and it was pretty sad. Um, And I think this is just an attempt to really um, stir things up. And I think what happened afterwards was when the Amhara militias came, uh, there were revenge killings of Tigrayans. Mm. And that was pretty sad. Um, I know we also have the bombings of the Eritrean capital. Um, And truth told it, it, it's just it's, it's a very sad situation on the ground but um the one thing that i have been worried about is that the u.s has been subtly um trying to push for regime change in ethiopia because there was an article in a video about how we might have to put troops down there to settle everything yeah i so this is kind of this is also an interesting dynamic because um again you know the way the u.s operates especially in foreign policy they'll They'll throw their weight behind some person 100% and then two years later they'll change their mind and want regime change. But And I think it seems Abiy Ahmed is, is one example of that and sort of, I don't know how he's lost favor or why he's lost favor with the Americans. But um, I was reading that Trump had, uh, when Trump was president, he had pulled uh, a number of troops out of Ethiopia which who knew that there were U.S. troops in Ethiopia, but I guess there was. But now um, Biden is considering bringing troops back into the nation. Have you heard about that? Could you comment on that at all? Um, I, I've seen, I've 
I thought he, I thought uh, Trump took troops out of Somalia, but I mean, if that probably happened, I guess so. Um, and I think what's pretty concerning, I think the reason why there is a concern from like the West is because there is a war on terror. And um, Abiy Ahmed did pull troops out of Somalia. And um, with troops being pulled out of Somalia, there's always a ch chance for al-Shabaab to potentially take control of areas that uh, were in where the Ethiopian troops were. Right, okay. Uh, do, do you think that like, I mean, here's my view on it. Like, I'm just looking at the situation, and it does appear to me that um, that the uh, Abiyamad is like the legitimate ruler, if you could call it that, of Ethiopia, and Tigray seems to not want to accept that. However. Uh, with the sort of uh, delaying of the election, I think that definitely, uh, whether legitimate, whether that was legitimate or not, I think there's it sort of creates an inevitable situation where there's going to be a lot of grievances anytime you delay an election for any reason, really. So, or is it just that Tigray was waiting for a good moment and that was the the sort of expedient uh political move at the time they didn't really care one way or another they just saw that as an opportunity to start uh resisting the the ethiopian government do you what do you feel about that well i mean technically the election did happen and abiy ahmed did win the election but i think the reason why the tigray read or the tplf really wanted to have the election so i think they saw it as an opportunity to potentially get um get abiy ahmed out of power because um Obviously, he was the one that took them out of power um, and started doing things that they didn't like. Right, right. And do do the do the Tigrayans have like a legitimate concern only in that they are bordered by Eritrea and there's a lot of animosity there. And if the Ethiopian government is um, a lot more sympathetic to Eritrea, would the Tigrayans be, do they have legitimate concern over that, that dynamic? I think they do because President Isaiah Saborgi um, is a brutal dictator. And um, even though the border dispute was settled in 2000 and the UN had to get involved, there was always a bit of a military conflict, even in years afterwards, um, most notably the Battle of Sirona, um, as well as Isaiah Saborgi, uh, uh, sending bomb or bombing uh, a city called Abdegrad. Um, and he's committed a lot of heinous crimes to the Tigrayans and they do not really, or they're not really fond of him, which I yeah. understand why. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it, it's kind of tough because in a lot of ways, all these actors seem to not be the greatest people or the type of people you would want to be, you know, your leaders or your government uh how do you like let, let, like let's just put ourselves um in the the shoes for a second of like a foreign policy person from the west it's like how would they address this situation because i think like if we're honest we can agree that both sides of this are not exactly the best types of people and you're sort of expected to at least throw your uh, sort of, I guess, spiritual support over one or the other. What do you think the approach of the West should be? I think the West should try and push for all sides to stop the fighting because there has been a bit of a humanitarian hindrance and I think it's very concerning. Um, you don't want anybody to die. And on top of that, the fact that the fighting has spread past the Tigray region into the Afar and Amhara region and the people in those regions were displaced is, um, it's pretty sad. So yeah, I think the West should push for peace. Yeah. Uh, do you think, <clears throat> like, let's say hypothetically, <clears throat> sorry, let's say hypothetically that it really does start because it, it, it seems like a powder keg right now, the situation in Ethiopia. And it seems like, you know, some people are calling it just 
minor skirmishes. Some people are calling it an all-out civil war. But whatever the case may be, <clears throat> this could really escalate to something very brutal, and um, there could be a lot of death and suffering. Do you think that like uh, other countries should get militarily, and if it does, uh, if the conflict gets worse, do you think they should get involved in this, or do you think? people should just have a hands-off approach and allow whatever happens to happen. I mean, it's hard because if you have other military, uh, other foreign militaries involved, well, who are they going to be siding with? Because you would have the Ethiopian federal government uh, in this, you would have the, um, you would have um, the Amhara uh, state uh military involved and the Tigrayans involved. So like, who are they siding with? And it's also important to note that there is one foreign nation involved and that's Eritrea. Right. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. I, I guess I'm just more thinking like, like world power has gotten involved, you know, e even, even like China or something, uh, China has made a habit of, of sort of being opportunistic throughout Africa in like geopolitical situations and embedding themselves inside uh, different countries' governments. Um, I, I, I would kind of wonder if a nation like that uh, might take advantage of the situation and offer support to one side or the other. And then once one side comes out on top, then China can sort of embed their economic interests inside the country. So I don't I don't know if you've heard any about any Chinese influence, but if that were to happen, you could see then the Americans starting to want to get involved to try and keep China's influence out. Right. So there's so many it seems like there's so many variables and moving parts that could be that could escalate the situation or make it much worse. I don't know if that if that seems plausible to you or not, but. I think months ago when Joe Biden signed an executive order to place sanctions on the parties involved, um, China was directly against Joe Biden for doing And I think Russia was too. Yeah. yeah. It, so uh, do Russia and China, are they trying to exert any influence in the region at the moment? Um, it's hard to say because I've really just been looking at it from a U.S. perspective, but I know that the uh, China is probably against what the whatever the U.S. is doing and in, in, in a way has become a bit of a proxy war. Right. Well, that's a good, that's this is always the concern in all of these conflicts is that they end up turning into proxy wars. Right. And and when two when like major powers get involved with these sort of smaller nations, uh, it can end up turning into a proxy war. But uh, I, I'm also wondering, like, uh, is there any other interests that, like, in terms of resources or economic interests that uh, larger nations would have in Ethiopia or even Eritrea, for that matter? Um, or do you think there really isn't anything in regards to that? Um, in terms of resources, I, it's hard to find out. I mean, I mean, I know Ethiopia has a lot of spices down there. Right. But also, Ethiopia is a very important ally when it comes to fighting the war on terror. I mean, if you remember the Ethiopian invasion of Somalia, um, they were very, uh, when George Bush had utilized Ethiopia to invade Somalia for um, their war on terror. Okay. Uh, oh. Well, what's your view on the Ethiopian invasion of Somalia? Uh, well, I mean, it was the fight the war on terror, and obviously, I mean, the war on terror has been a disaster. Uh, it feels like every time when we try to fight terrorism, it just creates more terrorism. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I totally agree with that. It, oh, there's so many things about the war on terror. It is interesting. Like, how old are you, Abel? I'm actually 24 right now. Okay, yeah, I'm 33. So it, I, I'm i like, I'm just old enough to remember when, I don't know if you remember it quite as much when the war on terror all started and 9-11 and, uh, and and the invasions of Afghanistan and Iraq. and But the general war on terror and getting militarily involved in so many countries around the world and uh, the creation of things like, uh, you know, the Patriot Act and and uh, uh, the TSA and uh, 
uh, spying apparatuses to spy on your own citizens. And I'm in Canada um, and we, a lot of people don't realize this, but we totally got involved in all of that. And we've done, we've been very instrumental, our mil, our own military industrial complex, which does exist, but is largely ignored in this country. Um, it, it never really becomes a, a topic of discussion in the sort of political sphere, uh, which I think is uh, a shame and unfortunate, but uh, yeah, like just, just going back and like remembering how 9-11 really changed uh, the world and it a lot of everything that's going on in the world right now is almost a direct result of 9-11 and uh, i mean you even see see things like uh you know the national security state let's call it um not just in the us but around the world uh just the the uh, opening of the doors to invade citizens privacies uh collect data on them spy on them without any sort of judicial oversight uh and to do arbitrarily and on a whim with very few checks and balances uh this this all started with 9 11 but now you're definitely noticing it with the pandemic uh, how they're leveraging this sort of cultural attitude uh and malaise about spying on your own citizens and, and um, uh, collecting their records, all sorts of things. I, I sort of see there's like a, a huge connection between those two things that now like the healthcare security state, if you, if you want to call it that is um, uh, with in response to the crisis is a, uh, is a huge dynamic and sort of what's going on. But um, yeah, it, it, it is crazy eh? how it's just like, you can go back to that one event, the the two towers falling, and it's and it's changed everything in like from around the world. Uh, but especially Africa has actually been like a big um, uh, uh, involvement in that, right? Like the the war on terror has really affected Africa, and particularly like northern Africa, obviously. But U.S. involvement in in obviously Libya in Tunisia, in Egypt, uh, and after the Arab Spring and things like that, uh, the, the sort of war on the auspices of the war on terror and the um, ability, the sort of legal ability for the uh, US government to be involved in these um, countries, the precedent was set with the war on terror. And then you know, with every country that fell through the Arab Spring, particularly the Northern African countries, the U.S. was literally involved in every single one in one way or another, so, sometimes less uh, like in the case of uh, Tunisia, but sometimes more like in the case of Libya and Egypt. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's like you even see that now uh, that dynamic is still playing out. Is there is there concerns of like Islamic terrorism in Ethiopia itself, or is that generally not a huge problem? Um, I think it's a huge problem in because uh, if Ethiopia was to fall and, and there's a lot of instability in the region, um, and because Ethiopia borders Somalia, I think there's always going to be a concern for terrorism somehow making its way into Ethiopia, um, especially if uh, the fighting really gets out of control. Yeah. What's the what's like the religious makeup of Ethiopia? I don't um, I don't have any idea of what their religious makeup, but I think a lot of them might be Orthodox. Right. Yeah. From what I understand, <clears throat> there is a huge Christian population in in Ethiopia, uh, Orthodox Christian population. But yeah, there's always concerns at, throughout, really throughout Africa right now, actually, of, you know, more uh, Islam, Islamist um, groups rising to power. Uh, what about Eritrea? Is it a similar dynamic? Is it mostly Christian or is there more of a mix of religious beliefs there? Um, I think that, I think, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but I think I would have to say Orthodox okay yeah it's it's similar there is the government uh like does the government have an official religion in either of these countries 
I do not. I do. I am sorry. I don't. I'm not very familiar <laughs> with the religions of these countries. It's okay. No problem. I'm just. I'm curious about it and how. You know. I. I kind of wonder sometimes if that has any like sort of influence on the way things uh, play out. Um. Yeah. All right. Uh. Uh. Do you know? Um. Do you think that? Uh, or have have you read anything? <clears throat> more about like u.s involvement in the conflict are they is it or is it more just political posturing or do they have any actual even in terms of diplomatic ties are they doing any making any decisions within the country in terms or getting involved in any way in terms of uh, the conflict that's going on uh, well, I believe last May, uh, just before the Tigrayans retook their capital, um, there was visa restrictions on certain Ethiopian and Eritrean officials. Um, I think back in late August, there was sanctions placed on Eritrean on an Eritrean army general, and I think there was another sanction placed on Eritrea. Hmm. Do you think that's a good idea? Like, I, I if you want to like calm tensions and. I don't know. I'm sort of conflicted about in terms of like a geopolitical sense. Like, is it a good idea to to slap sanctions on these countries, even though they might be terrible people? Should we try and like keep an open dialogue with them and not try and uh, elevate the tensions? <clears throat> um, when is I don't when has sanctions ever worked? Oh, well, I know <laughs> it, they they seem to have a not a great track record, um, but what what's the uh what's like the covid situation in in ethiopia i'm not i'm not necessarily too sure i haven't been following the covid situation okay uh do you think it's like affecting any of the 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 conflict at all or do you think it's they kind of don't they aren't really that's not really what they're not even talking about it there I don't know. Yeah, it's just more so about the humanitarian crisis that's yeah. happening. <clears throat> Is there, um, what was that? Uh, can you just mention again, what was that? Uh, what do you call it? That, that massacre, that initial massacre last year that happened. Uh, in, in where? In the, that happened with the Amhara people? Yeah, yeah. You said like oh, uh, 500 to 1500 people had died. Yeah, Mike Hydra? Mike Hydra, how do you spell that? M A I space K A D R A. D R A. Mike Hydra. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely look at that up. Had there been any any other um, sort of massacres or uh, seriously concerning humanita humanitarian crisis that have been occurring? Any other events that you know of? Uh, Hitsats uh, massacre. Uh, Hitsats is one of the four refugee camps housing Eritrean refugees, and I believe there's about a hundred thousand Eritrean refugees in the Tigray region. Oh, is that right? Eh. Yeah, and I think the UN also said that over twenty thousand Eritrean refugees have went missing since the war started. Oh, are they? Is there a concern that um, the Tigrayans are? making them go missing i i don't know what they could be missing for um i had read up on a report that um that when the eritrean and tigrayan forces were in gunfire uh, were in a gun battle and the tigrayan forces lost i think a tigrayan soldier took it out on an eritrean refugee and just straight up killed them okay but you don't you don't know of anything if there's like actual massacres going on in retaliation to eritrea the only thing that I know, because um, the fighting has mainly happened in the Tigray region in Ethiopia, um, so I know there's a massacre of Eritrean refugees. Um, there's been also massacres happening in the Amhara region, uh, the Chena massacre, Kambolcha or something like that. Chena, okay. Wolo. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. We, uh, it, it is. Uh, do you think it's like very concerning that like our media in the West hasn't covered these massacres at all? That 
there's almost no awareness that this is going on. Like this is, these are bigger than any, uh, you know, um, like th think of like a quote unquote mass shooting or something in the U S and that gets so much airtime. Uh, yet there are these massacres in Ethiopia and Tigray happening, <clears throat> Uh, that are orders of magnitude larger than any mass shooting that happens in the U.S., yet it gets absolutely no airtime. Do you have any thoughts about that? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's very concerning that it's not getting me enough attention because we talk about Yemen and Syria, yet there was a Joe Biden envoy several months ago who said that if the fighting spreads beyond Tigray, that the crisis in Ethiopia could look worse than Syria. And right now it's been spreading wow, really? beyond Tigray. Yeah, I think, what was it Joe Feltman? Let me look this up. Am sure. I, the guy's name is Joe Feltman who might have said that. Are are you like do you think that's he's exaggerating or do you feel that that's a very real uh concern um yes because there there's um massacres happening in the amhara region in the tigray region and the afar region and the fact that there's been anti-government protests happening as well as um fighting in other regions beyond that it's just it's a wildly concerning thing and on top of that too the ethiopian population is about 110 million people so yeah of wow course the yeah there's 110 million ethiopians yeah. wow I didn't realize how, how large of a country that is or how large of a population that is. Yeah, and the catch too with the TPLF ruling Ethiopia is that the Tigray region only represents 6% of the Ethiopian population. Right. And isn't that a lot of the dynamics too with the resentment against the Tigrayans? Is, and because it is so sectarian, a lot of people feel like this small ethnic minority is sort of ruling the entire country and what right do they have to rule it? Yeah, I mean, just think of it as like if Asians could rule America. I mean, how does somebody that represents the smallest population somehow um, get into power? Yeah, yeah, it, it's true. It's yeah, it, it's uh, I, I guess it, you know, uh, maybe that's just how like civil wars happen, right? Like a small elite group of people end up taking control of a country. But um, so I. Uh, uh, so sorry, what did that U.S. official say about his concerns about the um, uh, the escalation of violence in the country? Okay, so the guy's name is Joe Feltman, and the article on foreign policy is titled "Ethiopia Crisis Could Make Syria Look Like Child Play." Wow, and what's the concern there? Is it just <clears throat> is it just like bullets, or is there like concerns of chemical weapons? Um, uh, you know, like worse weapons being or more deadly methods of warfare being used. What's is there like a primary concern? Well, the primary concern obviously is civilian death, but there's others alleged war crimes. Um, just last week or two weeks ago, there were reports of women in the Amhara region were being gang raped by Tigrayan troops. Oh man, that's that's horrible, horrifying. Um, in hunger too. Yeah, for sure. Hunger and famine. How do you like, how do you think this ends? Like, is there, do you see a, a plausible resolution to this or at least a de-escalation of, of the violence? I don't know how this is going to end, honestly. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> it's, it's always hard to, hard to tell. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it is very concerning. What do you think is like, in terms of death toll, what do you think is like the worst case scenario? Do you think it's tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions? Like what, what could be the worst case scenario if this escalates even further? I'm not sure of what the death toll um, is, but I do know that a lot, um, it's in the tens of thousands uh, when you combine the Amhara FR in the Tigray region. But um, there's also a lot of people being displaced and running off to uh, running off to um, Sudan. And we all know how that uh, Sudan is because they just right. ended several years ago. Right, yeah. And Sudan is even still is 
both north and south, it's still very unstable. And there's, from what I understand, there's still a lot of uh, tension uh, between the north and the south. Um, yeah, it, it's. Uh, are there are, are there any other countries in the surrounding region um, that are sort of feeling the effects of this, like that we haven't mentioned yet? Like I don't know, Kenya. I know Kenya has has commented a lot on the conflict, uh, but anything like that, like, are they seeing a lot of refugees, things like that? Uh, like, um, uh, are they giving humanitarian aid? Do you know what the situation is with the surrounding countries in regards to this? I know uh, the Kenyan president did have a meeting with Joe Biden, but I'm not sure what the uh, discussion was about. Um, the only thing I know of is that the refugees have been running into uh, Sudan, and I think uh, there might be some running into Djibouti Okay. Yeah. Uh, and is there a concern that there will be like a refugee crisis, uh, much like we saw from North Africa to Europe, uh, and, and, uh, <clears throat> sorry, also like from the Arab Peninsula as well to Europe? Uh, do you think that there's a concern that there could be a refugee crisis from Ethiopia or even more specifically in Tigray? Uh, there has been a refugee crisis. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, there's been a refugee crisis and people just running away. Um, I do know that there are some Eritrean refugees who went back to Eritrea. Um, there's refugees running into Sudan and I believe Djibouti, but I think some of them might be running into other regions, specifically Addis Ababa. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. It is uh, like in places like Addis Ababa, I is that is the city itself experiencing any violence or is it is has they have they been able to keep it away from the major city centers cnn put out a report claiming that the tigrayan troops were closing in on a capital but it was a bunch of fake news uh, crap <laughs> um so i don't see a disabba um i don't see a disabba in danger why did they report that like what were what were they trying to report on? Like, what were they using as their information for that? I don't know. CNN is is pretty fake, um, and a lot of Ethiopians have turned against them. So, oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure a lot of the 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 press is um, <clears throat> uh, been pretty a lot of malfeasance in in their reporting of this. Um, <clears throat> so just. Uh, and maybe this is a little more inside baseball. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> um, I've noticed a lot on um, sort of in the Twitter sphere, people who are <clears throat> following this. It does seem to me like there's a lot of support. And again, I, it's, hard, it's, it's hard for me as like someone completely disconnected from the situation to really gauge you know what the politics or the dynamics is but there does seem to be like a lot of support for uh the, uh, the current president uh or prime minister i say prime minister abiy ahmed prime minister abiy ahmed yeah, the president um, sorry is somebody else the oh, president they, is uh somebody named uh, sally works sweetie but i don't know what her role in this is okay so they, they have like that I know there's some countries they have uh, that both president and the prime minister. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, so there does seem to be like a lot of support for the Ethiopian government. Um, it seems every now and again, though, every time Ethiopia <clears throat> launches an offensive against the Tigrayans, you see a bunch of people say like calling it a massacre in Tigray and, uh, genocide against the Tigrayans. Do you think that that's an accurate characterization or do you think that's maybe a little bit hyperbole? Um, I think it's more so the Ethiopian and Amhara uh, government has been launching offensive to keep the Tigrayans out of the Amhara region. Um, I don't really, it's hard for me to call it a genocide um, just because I feel like that word kind of stirs a lot of fear into Western officials because what happens when Western officials don't do anything, they're going to be viewed as the people that stood by when something awful is happening. Right. Um, I just, I don't, it's, it's hard to really gauge the situation on the ground, honestly. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, like, I, I'm 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 right there with you. I think calling things genocide. I think we we do 
we throw that term around very loosely and there is like a, a very specific definition of what a genocide is but I, I like it to me if i had to it's like again I'm, I'm sort of like shooting from the hip here but if i had to guess it any of these offensives against the tplf are 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 more in self-defense like they're trying to push the tplf back into tigray and it, whatever the case may be with with that you know we can argue about the legitimacy of the government itself but they are it does appear to me that they're acting in somewhat of a self-defensive manner and they're not they're not just like marching into uh tigray and massacring people and over and and you know overthrowing the government is that an accurate characterization um yeah i, I would i would say so um because the federal government can be wherever it want i mean uh, abi ahmed just technically rules over tigray too but by right. definition him being the prime minister of ethiopia um so really if there was any invaders i would say the amhara invaded the tigray region and the tigray region invaded amhara right right um do, do you think that there's any that uh, the tplf will they accept any sort of terms or do you think that they're they're sort of just out for blood and there's there's no resolution like it seems to me either unless they're allowed to like declare independence or they become the ruling party it i it, is there a situation in which they'll accept terms of uh peace peace in the in the region I, I don't know, because um, in June, uh, in late June, when the Tigrayans retook, uh, retook all of their regional capital and um, in, uh, forced out the federal government Amhara militias and Eritrean uh, troops, they were given a ceasefire by Abiy Ahmed, but they rejected it and pushed it into Amhara and the Afar region. So to me, I think it just signals that they really want to be able to uh, to get back into power too. It's, especially when aid ended up stopped going into the Tigray region because of that. Yeah. Would they, would they accept like if in a hypothetical world, if, uh, if Ethiopia offered them independence, would they accept that? Or are they no kind of like staunchly, no, we're the rightful rulers of Ethiopia. We don't want independence. We want the whole country. Um, I think they would probably much rather retake Ethiopia because I the Tigray I don't think can survive without a federal government. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, all right. Uh, yeah. That's that's all super interesting. I think I think this is like uh, definitely something that people need to pay more attention to to what's happening here. Um, and even on my podcast in general, I'm going to, I'm trying to start to cover like conflicts around the world that aren't really covered as much by the media and that people don't really know about, you know, and fair enough. It doesn't really like, it doesn't really affect you or you don't see how it affects you. But I think it is important that, uh, you know, just putting a highlight on the violence that's happening around the world. But, um, anyways, um, uh, Bill, I wanted to just, you know, thank you for coming on and talking to me about it. Uh, is there, um, do you have any like last words? What would you want to tell people about the conflict going on? And um, is there anything that they could do or uh, even lend support to what, to sort of the victims of all this? Um, it's really hard, um, but I really would love for everybody to uh, just take a look at it just because I feel like it's not gained enough attention that it should. Yeah, for sure. And uh, also, um, is there any, do you want to plug anything? Do you have any, <clears throat> I don't know, any material or anything, follow you on Twitter? Is there anything you want to plug uh, before we wrap up here? Uh, you can follow me at, at uh, you know, I have actually also tried to get Scott Horton to talk about it, but I mean, he said he's behind on a conflict too. Um, so yeah, you could follow me at link smash 96. Um, I, that's my new account because I recently I got suspended back in August. What'd you get suspended for? Because <laughs> uh, I said monkeys shouldn't be allowed to reproduce to Charlie Kirk. <laughs> oh man. Uh, uh, the, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That I, uh, 
so I know Horton hasn't covered it much, but antiwar.com, I, a lot of uh, the articles I was reading about it, they've been pretty good at like, just, and the most of it is just reposting from places like BBC and Al Jazeera, like more international news organizations, but uh, they have been like at least covering it on antiwar.com. Uh, but uh, they haven't had m- any opinion pieces uh, since 2017. So it doesn't seem like anyone from antiwar.com is following them. But maybe, hey, you should uh, maybe submit uh, an opinion piece article or something to antiwar.com and, and see if they'll publish it. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll, I'll take a look into that, definitely. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, well, Abel, I just want to thank you for joining me. This is awesome. Uh, and yeah, everyone sort of start reading, paying attention to this conflict um, and uh, the people of Ethiopia and the people, you know, I, I guess just pray God's grace over the uh, all the people who are caught in the crossfire and that the violence can de-escalate. But um, anyways, thanks for coming on. All right. Thank you. And I'm very glad that somebody asked me about this because <laughs> it's like, not been talked about in the libertarian world. So yeah, for sure. All right. All right. Peace out.